Hey SEOs and content marketers, say goodbye to crazy spreadsheet mashups and experience unprecedented connectivity between your SEO planning and reporting data. Introducing Audience Key, technology for keyword mapping, content brief automation, and rank tracking that form an SEO strategy system providing unparalleled feedback loops between planning, reporting, and optimization activities. Put your time and energy into strategy, not data upkeep. Visit audiencekey.com and apply for a free trial today. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on WMR.FM. It is the 14th of December, 2023. Two weeks, two short weeks, not even two weeks from Christmas. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Ways Media and Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. Hey everybody. And um, apologies from, uh, well, mostly from me. Um, we didn't have a show last week, and the show's last previous couple weeks, I've been very, very distracted. Um, probably gone through one of the hardest months I've gone through in my life. My father-in-law was in a coma for um, four weeks and passed away um, early last week. I had the funeral on Thursday and have been in full reaction mode um, during last month, and during the last month, and especially during the last week. So um, this time last week, I was um, sadly at a funeral, and I'm really sorry we didn't have an episode. Um, things should be approximating normal sometime in the coming year. Um, oh, my God, it's December 14th. Christine, 2023 is over, practically speaking. Yes, I have to move in four days and have no place to live yet. <laughs> so, That's kind of scary. A little bit. <laughs> so, uh, so it's going to be an interesting interview for me. Hopefully it'll all be over Monday and I can relax the last part of the, part of the year. Yeah, now for, for, for concerned listeners, Christine, do you anticipate doing the show from, um, say, a bus shelter or um, the library in the near future? <laughs> or are you going to be housed? I actually don't know if I'm going to be housed, to be honest. Um, we have a weird thing in the state of Nevada where you can't actually start applying till you're three weeks out from your move date. And uh, the place I'm applying at right now has been dragging their heels on air income verification. So uh, if force comes to worse, I will be, you know, finding a storage unit, moving it all into there and getting an Airbnb for a week or two while I figure it out. So, but uh, it, it, I will not be homeless. I don't want to be sorry about that. Just stressful. I can tell the movers that I've, you know, got for Monday, uh, where are you moving? And I'm like, yeah, I really don't know yet. <laughs> Coming to you live from the fabulous sewer system of Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> exactly. At least the good thing is I do live in an area with, you know, you know, 100,000 hotel rooms. So if worse comes to worse, I need a few days in a hotel. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. But I'd rather not. I'd rather move my stuff directly into a place than paying the mover's choice. Yeah. You know, this is, um, this is the last week's of December. And it's uh, worth thinking about. So, I mean, the, 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 if this were previous years, like say a decade or more ago, we'd all be in Chicago right now or just getting home from Chicago from the last uh, show of the year. Um, that would have been an SES show, but they don't happen anymore since search engine strategies doesn't really exist. And um, the whole SES world um, sort of slowed down substantially. 17, 17 and a half years ago, 
when uh, Danny Sullivan, um, who started uh, Search Engine Strategies and the uh, Search Engine Watch newsletter, which turned into uh, the, the, the at, at the time the premier trade magazine, um, his contract negotiations with the company that owned us that owned the conference series uh, failed, and he quit. Went off to start his own thing, Search Engine Land. That launched. 17 years ago this week on December 11th, 2006. And so Danny did it twice. He started Search Engine Watch, and which, which pretty much formed the SEO industry, um, started the, uh, the search marketing industry or popularized it, and then left, started, a, a start, and started, started the Search Engine Watch um, or Search Engine Strategies a conference series, which was incredibly successful, left that organization, started a new one, Third Door Media, um, and him and Chris Elwell built the uh, the um, uh, uh, search engine land empire along with the uh, uh, series of uh, search conferences. Oh, my God. Christine, I'm flaking SEL's conference series name. Uh, SMX? SMX, thank you. Search, the Search okay. Marketing Expo series of conferences. Again, that all launched 17 years ago today. Or this week, I just find that remarkable how much time has passed and uh, how strong that brand remains. Right, it's amazing. Uh, it's amazing all the things Danny has done for the industry. Now that he's well, at, and now that he's at Google. <laughs> well, indeed, Danny actually left um, Third Door Media and the um, SMX Conference Series, Search Marketing Conference Series, was like five years ago. He retired from the journalism and conference side of search, and then six months later was uh, picked up by Google, something like that? Yeah, something like that. I don't remember the exact dates, but something like that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, that's, that's the other thing about SEL and something I think that, that should be commended. Um, it survived its founder and survived it quite strongly, which, you know, uh, you can't say that about most publications. True, very true. So anyway, congratulations, Search Engine Land. Um, uh, uh, Danny, Chris, Danny, and the entire crew over there. Um, well done. So I got a big confession, Christine. What's As that? I said at the beginning of this episode, I've been incredibly distracted the last few weeks. It's been... Um, yeah, rightfully so, though. Yeah. So yeah. I feel incredibly out of touch. If you stop paying attention for one week in this industry, you're a million miles behind. And I feel like I've been sort of floating around for the last four weeks so I'm honestly, I, I, I am feeling like, uh, what do you mean Google faked an entire AI, series of AI videos? Why would they do that? I mean, you just feel like so left out of the picture, right? You do. Likely for you, I'm an obsessive reader. So, <laughs> Where do you want to go? Uh, you know, why don't we just, we, we could start with that one, or we could start with, you know, why ChatGPT is getting lazy and sassy. <laughs> well, okay, this one you could have seen coming, like, maybe a mile away or a year a year ago. As I understand it, and please, you know, I'm correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, ChatGPT at one time was learning off a corpus of knowledge that was, say, everything that was ever written before, what, September 2020? 23 something like that yeah i forget i forget the last update date but it's recent but not current okay so chat gpt4 
and um, iterations after that have been training on the open web. And in the last year, I mean, Google has, I think the stat came out from Google the other day that they have over 3 trillion pages in their index. Now, a billion is more than I can personally fathom. Like that's a lot of stuff. A billion, a billion dots is more than I can than I can possibly imagine, right? A trillion is so far beyond that. The amount of content on on the internet is growing rapidly and growing exponentially, um, especially since the development of AI. Um, it's estimated, believe it or not, over a quarter of the content on the web right now has been written in the last year by AI. Yeah. Isn't that mind blowing? It's so, mind blowing, but I figured I figured it'd be that fast. That's why people say Google doesn't care about AI. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> okay, so in the last ooh, six to eight months or so, we've had we've had numerous AI models training on the open web, including ChatGPT, the newest newest uh, iterations of ChatGPT, and they're not only training on on. Um, information that had in one way or another bit gone through some form of um, vetting verification, like so if you find it in a library or an encyclopedia, it's, it's almost certainly been vetted somehow, right? Stuff you find on the open web has often not been vetted whatsoever at all. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so ChatGPT is now training on AI-created content. Well, Not all the content is training on is AI created, but a good portion of it, a large portion of it is. And yes. this is the snake eating its own tail phenomena. We knew it was coming. I mean, I didn't think it would happen this fast, but we knew it was coming. Well, that's more the grok thing, which we'll talk about. The laziness thing is more they just think they're following what humans do in winter, which is slow down and it's getting sassier and telling people it can't complete this. Or why don't you, you told one user, why don't you go find it yourself? And literally that's what it said. And ChatGPT is like, you can Google that. <laughs> it literally Maybe it was told a particular, it. Now, now, it's possible that was a particularly stupid question to which the most written answer is just well, Google actually, it. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, obviously, when these things sound human, they're not. You know, they're just repeating whatever they're trained on. Um, and regurgitating it in a different format. But it is kind of funny that literally people who are told to go Google it, like, you're an open AI, you're like asking a question. It's like, I basically don't have time for you. Just go Google it. Like, you could have found that. I basically told, I wish I had the exact quote. I can't find so, it right now, but basically so told me that you could, have found, you could have found that quicker than asking me, basically, is what it said. So in some instances, ChatGPT is turning into a teenager. Yes, that's, what, that's exactly what I thought when I read it. It's, so, it sounds exactly like a teenager. It's like, don't bother me. Like, go find it yourself. I've got stuff to do. <laughs> now, okay, so just to reiterate, and I think Christine, in, in any other circumstance, will be the very first person to look at you dead in the eyes and say, this is not a real person. It's a large language model. Yeah. It acts a certain way. And one of the ways it does not act is human. It just pretends to. It but it doesn't even to. do that. It's just doing what it thinks a human would do because that's oh, what. That, yeah. It's like I'm, a big parrot sits around the world and is taking in everything everyone says, except they say it online. And then the parrot says it back. <laughs> and then you're like, how did the parrot know to say that? The parrot didn't know to say that. Parrot's just parroting what it heard, right? That's what the same happens. Kind of thing. 
when the parrot completely trashes on its creator or its owner. Grok, the um, AI created by Elon Musk and the crew over at Twixter, at X, when asked to um, roast Musk, didn't just roast him. I mean, that was like a um, flame burn destroy mode. Um, it went to town on Musk, actually, up and down. Is that a... Um, do you reckon that's a natural occurrence, or, or did they program it to do that? I don't. I don't know this story, so you'll have to. Okay, so apparently AI, the um, AI from X something. is called Grok. Right, Grok right. is trained on the open web, completely on right. the open web. It's also trained on Twixter. Right. It refuses to use homophobic slurs. Oh, that's surprising. It refuses to say there are only two genders. It refuses to go down the transphobic road whatsoever. It will not go there. You cannot make Grok say a trans woman is not a woman. Grok won't do that, which is surprising given its maker and his proclivity to dead name persons um, and to suggest that um, trans persons are not the uh, gender they express. And that actually um, really... To as you know, large language models work, it's really not that surprising because most people, most, not all, most people accept that that's a thing but, and, and speak about it. So it, it, the training would have far more people talking in agreement. than I guess what is surprising is the way Grok was programmed was to be a foul-mouthed, um, yes, straight up, like, like, like a guy you're sitting beside at the bar. And... It's taken its users to task for trying to get it to break its rules. Yeah, and, yeah, I've seen the tweets on that. I didn't know the story about Musk himself, but I did see the tweets on the transgender portion. I urge you to look up, for a good laugh, look up um, Grok's impression of Elon Musk. It's pretty brutal. It's pretty it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, um, a, 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 a good roast master. Somebody who does comedy for a living would be hard pressed to write a better takedown. I'm not yeah. kidding. Yeah, I, I just I just found this story. Elon Musk slammed by his own AI bot. <laughs> it's it's phenomenal. From yesterday, I was traveling yesterday. That's why I didn't see it. Um, actually, that that happened that happened a few days ago. But I can, oh, my question okay. is: Is this for real, or did, did they just make it to do this? But then again, I I I I. I, I put that story against other ones where where um apparently Grok has a very very hard ethical line that it will not cross impressive but chat gpt is training on itself it's training on crap content well, it, you garbage in garbage out this is what's going to happen but it, uh, grok does not use chat gpt so oh well, grok's a, different grok's weird yeah. well grok trains mostly on twitter but there is a story. There was a thing this week where it looked like Grok said that it was running on the OpenAI platform, but it's not. It's it's uh, it just likes to ingest a lot of Chat GPT content, mm -hmm. which so is Grok is odd. training on Chat GPT output as well. Yes, a lot of it. It does a lot of Chat GPT and and then of course Twitter output. So so basically, it's uh, it's actually a big problem for large language models, according to. Uh, the researchers, 
um, it's a recursive nature of what they call the LLM loop. And that's what they believe caused the issue with Grok. And it says that uh, it appears, this is from Fast Company, it, what appears to have happened here is Elon Musk has taken a less capable model, says Russ Anderson, one of the co-authors of the original paper, that coined the term model collapse. And he's then fine-tuned it, seems, by getting lots of chat GPT-produced content from various places. So the, what this would do is called model collapse. A model collapse is basically what you're saying, snake eat it, it's eating its tail. So um, so if you get a, an LLM bot that's uh, doing this without human supervision, basically, uh, according to Anderson, says they can produce all sorts of weird, um, I'll just say poop. <laughs> and uh, as soon as you've got an LLM bot that's just spewing all sorts of stuff on the internet, it could be doing all sorts of bad things you don't know about. So apparently that's why Grok is doing all these things. And and Grok is not a well-trained model. And then it's training on a lot of chat GPT output. I'm not sure why you would do that since that can all be wrong. Um, but anyway, so that's that's what they're doing. Maybe he thought he would get the benefits of all the training chat GPT has had by training on the output. You know, like making it sound confident and human-like and things like that. But uh, so uh, according to the researchers, the more we have these LLMs and the more they ingest each other's or their own content, uh, the much less reliable they will be as any sort of source of facts or information because their data sets get increasingly less reliable as LLMs make stuff up. So that, that's how some of this stuff happened. But it is most likely on the transphobia comments that I, I, I know a, a red team AI researcher who I can't name here, but uh, explained to me that the protections all come on the output. So when you put stuff into the model, the model takes whatever you give it. Uh, they, as the people that defend the models, have to make sure that the output does not put out things that they don't want it to. And so I would assume if they're taking, if it's taking that hard a line on transphobic content, that internally on the output they have put in filters that would make that very, very difficult to produce. Not just the training, because the training could produce negative things if you just chose the right words to get around the Apparently training. many of the, um, how should we say it, fans of what's happened at Twixter are incredibly frustrated that they can't yeah. get Rock <laughs> to um, be a jerk. Um, so Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're the people that, you know, that perpetuate these very transphobic uh, ideologies uh, are not happy that Twitter's Rock is not transphobic. You know what? I just think they're not happy, to be honest. Uh, I, I believe so, too. Yeah. All in all. I just <laughs> think they're just not happy people to begin with. Okay. So what, we were, what we've been talking about, again, the recursive nature of um, reading and – you ever played the telephone game? You know the telephone game where you start you start at one end of the room and by the time yes. you get it and you repeat a message into somebody's ear and they repeat it to the person next to them and so on and so on. So by the time you get to the other side of the room, the message has changed entirely. That's a great fear of um, constantly re-summarizing the same summaries. Just doing yeah. it over and over and over again will yeah. essentially change the message that was originally expressed. Especially because there's errors introduced into those messaging. So. The errors may well be introduced and repropagated yeah. over and over and over again yeah. without without um, the intervention of an uh, an editor um, to or a fact checker. So this is of concern. There is AI's work in journalism increasing yes. uh, work in journalism. 
a deal between um, OpenAI and Axel Springer um, will allow uh, ChatGPT to summarize news stories from brands like Politico, Business Insider, um, Built, Welt, and and, and other uh, well-known online and and uh, real-world publications. Um, so what's going to happen is the user will be able to go to say the the website of the um, of the publisher, ask a question to um, it's their version of ChatGPT, and get a full summary of the of the article. And as this goes on, there's all a, a similar thing is happening with Associated Press, allowing um, uh, the archive of of AP to be used for for LLM training. Um, I have a different issue though with this one, this part. But my it's issue saying- is media literacy training and people not be, not forgetting the skills to fact check themselves i think it's gonna happen that's gonna happen way faster than we think it will i i, I didn't mean to cut you off just want to get that one last that one point in. that's so cool yeah yeah no i totally agree with you and i think that um first of all can i just say why is OpenAI trying to become a search engine as opposed to you know i don't know solving problems that like humans need solved like you know housing insecurity mine is not housing insecurity but you know homelessness um or um, you know, foods or medications or pharma or whatever, instead of like, let's try to become a search engine. Um, Who's got to pay for all this? Right. But the thing is, okay, I have two problems with this. One, I didn't know the German publications. And apparently, from what I was reading online, the German publications are actually considered the most non-factual German publications in Germany. Um, so that's that. So let's not, why don't we not pick people who put out disinformation to present to people? But also, if I read a uh, Atlantic article or New York Times article, I'm, I, it's different than when I just get like my quick news in the morning, right? Quick news in the morning is like the House is going to vote on this. Okay, later I'll look up the deep article to to know all the ins and outs of that. But I know that's quick news. Quick news I don't have a problem with. But if I'm getting a summary <laughs> of what the chat, I miss all the logic, the framing, the context, the background. You know, it's like, let's make sure news is super easy to ingest. It shouldn't be super easy to ingest. How do you understand complex issues in the world if all you're getting is a, a 200-word summary of every article? You don't. You won't. Well, you know what? And all so I can say to that is hopefully that. better than 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 one does um, getting news directly from social media. No, but you won't because, like I said, some of the sources here are considered very disinformational. Yeah. So, so, So we're letting some AI company – choose which news sources to summarize to people without proper depth and breadth of the content. I think that's just dangerous. And I think AI, open AI should be doing more important things with their tech than, than that. And also this leads to something, and I'm sorry, this is not in the story list. So Jim, if you do not know about it, I apologize, but they have a company that launched this week that is going to give you an AI newscaster that you can design to give you news in a similar kind of format. And and it will create news too, with AI. So, so the reason there is a reason that protecting journalism in the United States is written into right our Constitution and Bill of Rights because they consider it so important keep in check things like government right. So I think it's a very dangerous playing field that is completely unregulated that these companies can just go ahead and start creating news off of with AI because we already just talked about how wrong it can be and how it's recursive and how less reliable it gets, the more recursive it is. 
And we know that these are all part of the model that they can't fix right now. These are not, there are no solutions for this. It is part of the model. There's not a bug. It is part of how it works. And now we're going to have AI companies giving you news and they decide which news sources to summarize. You know what? This is, we still live in a world where the dictum caveat emperor, emptor can, 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 can apply to, um, the, 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 the your information diet um the caveat emptor is may the buyer beware you're responsible for the products that you buy and consume if you purchase it you should know what's in it it's up to you yeah but that's same thing but that's but that's how but honestly well, thank you for that, explaining that's how it is words. whether you whether you or i means. like it or not maybe there should be more restrictions but we live in a world where there aren't and so this is the thing that you have to do as a consumer and you have to teach your children be very aware of why somebody is putting something somewhere. Why is somebody using this space to say something? Why is that on a television? Why is it on the newscast? Why is that there? Because um, it costs a lot of money to put something in print or on online or on, on the air. So there's often a reason behind it. Not, not necessarily conspiratorial or, or, or um, commercial. Maybe it's to inform the public. That's that's often a very good reason for putting something in a newscast. Right. Yeah. But um, moving forward in a world where, as you said, Christine, you won't know if it's fake or real. You need to ask, people will need to ask really basic questions. And this is a world where we move forward so quickly. People aren't even bothering to stop to ask forgiveness anymore, much less permission. Right. And you do, and, and an interesting stat. The AI models relied on uh, news publisher data at a factor of, of uh, five to almost 100 compared to generic content. So they heavily relied on that, that content. And now they want to take, like, take it over. But also, like, when you see that journalist on um, TV talking about the article they spent like two years researching, mm -hmm. two years they, with sources. They spent two years learning about this. Yeah. Exactly. And, and they have insights, perspectives that are very important to understanding whatever it is they're reporting on. And uh, if you don't know those things, then and you're just getting some summary from a fake AI newscaster, because that's what they're doing on this one channel. I just think you lose so much. So you're right. I think people need to be aware. Personally, um, I, I think there's a human, uh, by the way, I'm not using this in any sort of political historical context, Jim, a human first component, which is, Make sure there's human review. Make sure that you're getting your um, news from a real person, not an AI created. Because it'd be very easy. Because remember, these models can be poisoned, right? So it'd be very easy for someone to poison who has the resources, not just you and me. And if poison I remember, a model. And if I remember correctly, Fox News has been around for over 20 years now, and that was fake news coming out long before the AI revolution. Right, um, but no, now you don't know. It's, it's, it's all an intent. Yeah. Now humans, you would know non-humans, it's, it's all an intent. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, but I just find it concerning, and I do think there should be regulations around news production and AI. Probably maybe the, one of the first places they need to regulate, because just to make sure that they're legitimately putting out, you know, real things. Now, so. if if you notice that your pet AI is moving awful slow, that's because it is. Um, Bing Chat and Copilot would might be really useful for people except it's moving incredibly slowly um yeah and deep chat is not available to everybody deep chat is a model that they're testing but apparently the people that are using it 
Um, it's as slow as molasses in the Canadian winter. Yep, but that's okay. So it takes a lot of energy and a lot of processing power to um, move anything, like like any question through through um, AI, because it's literally up to. Do you know how long it takes for, like, say, your JavaScript to be um, downloaded, parsed, evaluated, and then uh, and then executed? Imagine having to think and read through everything that was ever been written on a certain topic before composing an answer and then yeah, having but, to do it over and over and over and over and over and over again for an endless stream of questions. Yeah. And just, just to, uh, by the way, so we got some clarification from Fabrice from, uh, from Bing. Oh yeah. That, uh, the process is not just deep search. This is just in general where they bring back um, grounding you know, it's called grounding. Basically, when you go do a search in Bing Chat, I'm sorry, I'm not going to call it Copilot just because it'll confuse everybody because everything now is called Copilot. Indeed. Uh, yeah. So Bing Chat, when you do a search there, it's not go uh, in the chat model. It has a co-process under something called Prometheus, which is Orchestrator, and it goes out and it gets articles and it grounds your search in what it retrieves. But this is not based on search engine results. So it was the same with DeepMind. It's not based on what a search engine would produce in the top 10 results. It has a different set of factors and a different set of ways that it matches the query and ranks things. So uh, so if you're in the top 10, let's say, in Bing search for something, and someone does a search for that item, it doesn't mean that your site would be in the documents it brings back to produce that result. And that's called grounding, giving it somewhere to start. And to bring back those documents to produce that result takes so much more resource, resources, mm -hmm. so much more energy, so much more time, so much more much processing more. power. Exactly. So if you think your pet robot, your your, your pet um, chatbot is moving a little bit slowly, it is. That's yes. just, that's it. And, it. and it may or may not uh, speed up. Um, they'll have to throw a few more processors at it, I'm afraid. Yeah, and deep search is, is uh, even like Barry can't access deep search, right? and Barry Schwartz can't get access to it because it's so slow they don't want to release it to the public yet. So. <laughs> AI, the AI is so slow, it can't keep up with Barry Schwartz. <laughs> yeah. So that's, like, oh, that's, that's actually the new well, metric. The, 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 that's the new metric, metric from Google. Can it keep up with Barry, Barry or not? Barry ranking factor. <laughs> okay. Um Last bit on last bit on AI. We're gonna we're gonna move move to some SEO stuff, but this one's kind of weird. Um, and I and then Christine, I'm gonna really have to lean on you for this because I wasn't around last week, and if I was, I would have been all over this story. Google Gemini finally, finally seeing the day of light. But what did we see? I mean, like we're worried about <laughs> AI, and we're worried about fakes in AI. Oh, and wow. as it turns out, when Google was making a very real video about AI, they faked it. WTF? I know, right? Like, so, someone wrote, like, well, you know, they always exaggerate. No, no, no. This is the new breakthrough technology they spent months working on that's supposed to take on ChatGPT. And it's slightly better than ChatGPT on the testing, but only slightly, like, by two. Like, they thirty, they perform better on 32 tests. Um, and uh, ChatGPT is 30 tests, uh, how they perform. But anyway, so, um, yeah, so they do this thing. And I don't know if you've seen the video, Jim. But they, they start with a duck, this blue duck. And you make a picture of the – you draw the picture of the blue duck. And then and then it knows what the blue duck is. Then it talks to you. And, and of course, 
if you hear the voice on the demo, you know the voice is not a synthesized voice. It's a real voice. But um, So it's highlighting the interaction, showing the multimodal model, except it didn't do any of those things. So, uh, yeah. So, um, so Google's thingamabob didn't do what they it said did, it did. Why did Google way. do what they clearly did and fake it? What, why did Google do this? Like what? I, why would they do this? I don't know why as a company as big as Google with the reputation of Google would feel the need to do this. But but basically what they did is like they show like a, a game of ball and cups, right? And it knows where the ball is. And they show you do it in a drawing and it makes the drawing. And it like skips all these steps, right? Like it just intuitively knew that where the ball was under your cups. It just intuitively knew that that was a blue duck you were drawing, right? No, they had heavily text – they had prompt engineers write – text prompts, and of course, prompt engineers make a lot of money to be very good at this, right? So it's not you and me sitting around going, do a blue duck. Um, and so the prompt engineers created uh, text-based prompts that created the results. And apparently they do say it in the small print somewhere on the page, but nobody saw that. Um, so basically, so Google mechanical turked us. It did, yes, basically, that's what it did. So it's like, it's like even though... It, but the, the video is so detailed, like, it's like, uh, here's like what video, what they said on the rock, paper, scissors. What do you think I'm doing? Hint, it's a game. Gemini, you're playing rock, paper, scissors. And then it's like, despite the similarity, they don't feel like the same interaction. They feel fun, like fundamentally d different interactions. Um, so it's like but when they change the game up a little bit. So it's like it said all these things that made it sound like it was analyzing, evaluating, and coming to conclusions, which AI, it, it was First of all, this isn't really AI, it's machine learning, but it is not capable of doing all that. I've, Google is capable of producing multi-model, um, you know, things like with, like with mum during COVID. Uh, during COVID, the top of the search results would have graphs and videos and text that the mum model had put together and written. Uh, so they are capable of doing all that, but I don't know why they would do this because there's, I believe, I have to double check, but I believe their stock dropped after it was revealed that they simulated and these weren't actually how the model worked. So I, I don't really know what the thinking behind that was. Well, Google doesn't like to be gamed, but um, and so it's not okay for Google to game us. Like, that's just that, that, that. Anyway, Gemini is actually a very incredibly robust machine learning um uh, set of uh, I almost want to call it a suite of things because it's not just one um, function. It's it's it, it will perform um, a myriad of a myriad of, of of functions. When when how to say this? Um, actually, it's it's out there on the open market now. But uh, it's a trust thing, isn't it? Yeah, and and the uh, the writer at the TechCrunch is the one who who had the article about being faked, first one I saw, and um, they even the author even goes through that he feels his logic of calling it faked, because he's like he wasn't sure if such harsh language was justified, but a spokesperson asked me to change because the spokesperson asked him to change it. I've had that happen. Google's asked me to change an article, but despite including some real parts, the video simply doesn't reflect reality. It is fake. So I don't know why they would do that. I mean, they have a trust factor, Google does. And also, putting out a fake video when you're that big and you're on the stock exchange, 
it has other implications too, right? So I really, I don't really know what they were thinking, yeah. but they did it. And so when you see that video, you know, realize that, uh, yes, it is doing some of the things that it shows, but only because a prompt engineer uh, knew how to write the prompts to get it to do those things. And it didn't just intuitively analyze because that gives the false perception that these models have the ability to think like a human, evaluate like a human and come to conclusions like a human. And none of that is the case at this point. It is not that powerful. Okay. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about SEO, but uh, it's December. It's getting really close to Christmas. This is still, this is silly season. Like it's, it's past, it's past Thanksgiving. It's past Black Friday, Cyber Monday. This is absolutely silly season. And the big controversy in the last week, as far as I can tell, was um, around Google, besides faking their AI videos, was um, the use of the term parasite SEO. Yeah, we don't seem to be, we don't seem to have uh, agreement on that yet from Google, what that means. Okay, so yeah, Google's cracking down on quote-unquote parasite SEO. Now, that could mean a number of things. Um, it could mean using a other domain domain's uh, strength or strong um, uh, a page rank um, to promote your own content, much like a guest blog would. Or it could be um, buying space at, say, Forbes. Who notoriously sells space for people avid hawking whatever but, they're hawking or it but, could be um hijacking your way into someone's domain yes but or it could be <laughs> go go for it no i was gonna say so traditionally although i like this term for it better authority sitting squatting authority squatting it kind of covers all scenarios but uh and that's from uh irish wonder on twitter Okay. But, but uh, so, yeah, so I asked Danny about a couple of them, and Danny Sullivan at Google Search Liaison. Sorry, I, sometimes I say those things forgetting. Not everyone knows who I mean when I say Danny. Um, that originally it's just Parasite SEO is just the people who are hacked, according to Google. So that's originally their concept of it. You were hacked, someone's using your site, you don't know about it, mm -hmm. uh, or you do know about it, you can't get rid of it, something like that. And so they want to devalue those pages, but not your website. But then when I asked Danny about it further, because I said there's kind of different um, terminology, he says, on Parasite SEO, we don't use that term internally. I expect you'll see us assign a term to this type of activity in the near future, along with further guidance, as is touched on. He gives me a tweet link. We do have some guidance about this type of activity on the page below, where the key definition involves it being from a third party and largely independent of the main site's purpose or produced without close supervision or involvement of the primary site. So that does do hacking. That doesn't apply to advertisements. Forbes does mostly advertisements because they clearly mark those as advertisements. But it could, and I have a scenario that um, happened years ago, and this is the one I was asking Danny about. And this does sound like it could fall under it. He hasn't, he hasn't agreed yet, but we'll see. But we, I was working on a publisher site, big name publisher. And at the time, uh, this group went around, and it might have been former eHow people. I'm not sure I'm 100% correct on that. But they went around, and they asked to buy the subdomains of these companies. And they would put on the subdomains all this content. Now, we found out later that content was all eHow, e uh, devalued content from Panda, where eHow lost all its traffic. People don't remember eHow used to be. They have a new eHow, but back then it was like, how to do brain surgery. Open head, oh, take brain out brain. Surgery, yeah. You put brain back in. 
So it was really bad thing content. And so when Panda came out, they got annihilated. They lost like 90% of their traffic. So someone got all that content and put it on these subdomains. And then there was an ad fraud network involved. We won't get into that. So, but technically that, because under contract, they controlled the subdomain completely. I helped the company get out of their contract. So I saw the contract and they, they controlled it. Even if the main domain went out of business, they would still have to keep the subdomain up and open for these people. And these people, and these people had total control 100% over what went on that. I do believe for Danny, that would fall under Parasite SEO. So under the new definition, he, he outlined on Twitter. Because because the, the main the main party the main site owner doesn't have control over the content on that subdomain. Okay, so we're not talking, um, say, a guest blog network. Although no. the way well, Google no, was no. describing oh. it last week, it felt like they could be describing no, guest that. blog networks. Do, you don't do those because no, they, they, they they have their own reasons to be penalized, yeah, but different. that's something that's different. different. That's different. Yeah, this is this is I'm. You know, let's just say not that the White House would do this. It's just a site I can say without getting anybody in trouble. This, the White House, doc, you know, WhiteHouse.gov decides they're going to have a site that sells ice cream cones or something, right? And and they're going to give all the control to that of that site to somebody else that's going to sit on icecreamcones.whitehouse.gov, right? None of that would ever happen. But well, that's, but if that's, they that's did, more of a Joe Biden administration thing. But the porn and the Seattle <laughs> Viagra ads that was that was definitely that was under control of the Trump administration, was it not? Well, yeah, <laughs> let's not go down that road. <laughs> but, but I, you know what's so funny is I didn't even think Biden and ice creams when I said that. I was just trying to think of something so so generically non-controversial, and it's like ice cream. Um, but but the point being is, if I had a subdomain and it said ice cream whitehouse.gov, and I gave control over to somebody else under this new definition that they're trying to actually come up with a name for it, um, it does sound like that would also be. A problem for you so um, i don't know what um publishers are going to do because the publishers do this for i feel bad for publishers they they do this to make money because so much of their revenue streams have been cut off right so so it's for them to like be penalized for you know right because it depends also too because i know somebody who does this kind so, of so um, are we talking about like the the tabula content you might find on a news site that takes you off no, to like just no. egregiously bizarre no, i don't care about that no <laughs> this okay. isn't stuff that you put on your site this is stuff that you give over without control. close supervision or involvement of the primary yeah. site though i mean google's been close about that i'm not putting it on my site because i'm i'm closely supervising it myself am i not well no i mean you have supervising with intent that you have the ability to control what's going on there and so i would say like so i know somebody we're gonna have on the show um he was going to be on this week but unfortunately he had two new babies and the babies are in the nick unit because they're premature they're fine but uh, john McAlpin. um but you know he works on a site where they legitimately do affiliates for publishers and mm -hmm. they use real content they use real reviews they do real product demonstrations and, and they're, they're going to get burned on this aren't they no well they're not supposed to according to the danny the discussions with danny because that's not that's not without control, and that's not without their oversight, and that's not without their review, right? They're doing all the things you're supposed to do for a review. They're doing. Real I think they're get burned. I think unfortunately that might happen. Yes, I think Google will be too broad, and that will happen. But I'm just saying that the intent is, it wouldn't be those kind of people that would get hit. It's the people like what I just talked about with eHow who took over the 
by contract took over the subdomain and put on the the value eHow content while they ran an ad fraud network. And I say ad fraud because they hid ads in iframes that you couldn't see. So it would get impressions and clicks, even though no one knew they were actually seeing any of the ads because mm -hmm. they weren't they weren't visible. So so that was the ad fraud, and that's why they did it because they did it on these subdomains and ad fraud. That's how I got these people out of their contract. I talked to the lawyers and I said, we discovered your ad fraud network. So either you let them out or I go to, we, we take other legal channels. And so they let them out of the contract, but that would be where they had no control. They had no control over what happened to their subdomain. They had no access to their subdomain anymore, um, except, you know, possibly to turn it off. Um, and the, the company had purchased that for um, five years. So uh, even if the main domain went down and decided to go out of business, they would have to keep the subdomain up. And that's what I think they're talking about. But you're right. I do think, unfortunately, sites like John works with, even though they're doing it all legitimately, they're doing real reviews and real product you know, testing and real, real um, content. You know, people really using the products that they could wind up swept up in that. But we won't know yet until because Google hasn't even named it yet. Apparently, they, they don't like our names anymore. You know, it'll be something boring. You know, like update March 2023. Oh, indeed. Um, yeah. OK, so in a recent update. And I can't say exactly when this happened. I know a site that I worked on that had invested heavily in video got hit at the end of August, early September. But it was just the beginning of December that Google sort of said, this is what we're doing and why. And this is the video is not the main content of the page error. I'm not so sure it's an error. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. This is again. I haven't been around for the last week. I'm not yeah. sure why they're calling this an error. Um, I think Google screwed up by not telling people what it was doing. Remember, remember? Did you, did you get a bunch of messages for for um, different clients in that search console? Um, your vid you, you suddenly lost a bunch of video videos in uh, video pages because video is not in the is not in the in the main viewport. Yeah, and I would send it to the devs, and they're like, no, it's right. And I'm like, I know, but could you just check because it says that it's not. That's the first thing you thought is this is a measuring issue. With It's, yes, it's, it's, it's is, obviously too wide for the page or something. And it was listed as that in the definition in Google Developer Docs, just to be fair to everybody. If you're thinking, what, am I crazy? No, you're not. They did not. They did not redefine it in the developer docs until I think just really recently, right? They did no, no, actually, that, no. They in in the developer docs they did redefine it. No, that's, how, that's where I found the answer back in September. I remember, no, I remember talking, freaking I looking, when this happened. I was until last um, year, sorry, this year it was it wasn't redefined earlier this year. It was not redefined earlier this yeah. year. It happened. Yeah. They made us. They made the change in the developer docs. They didn't say anything to anybody. And then some websites. I think I think I might have been one of the one of the first major websites hit hit by this, um, because again, this is I I noticed that we were losing video pages back in August, late August, and started started getting worried about it. We investigated, um, found out that our videos were relatively sized. They were they fit just fine. There was absolutely nothing wrong with that. And that's when we started going through every doc we could possibly get our hands on and found that Google um, wanted the video to appear within the viewport of the page as it's initially loading in a, uh, on a mobile device. So you got to be able to see it on your mobile phone as the page loads. That's what um, the message appeared out uh, video outside of viewport. That's where I think they made an error. 
because outside of viewport does mean it's sized wrong. That's what it's always meant. Yeah, but you said it's something related to it being in the page loader. And so what Google wanted to do was yeah. to redefine what a video page means. And so any page that didn't have a video that would appear um, as the page initially loaded in the in the viewport of a, of the mobile of a mobile device that page was no longer considered a, a quote-unquote video page and looked like it was being de-indexed what was happening is it just wasn't being considered a video page anymore but it it started to affect impressions there are direct correlations, and you can see this. I can I can see this in, in Search Console. Um, Glenn Gabe um, uh, shared some shared information with uh, Barry at Search Engine Roundtable today. Uh, from from some of his clients, there is a direct correlation in in loss of impressions, and not just video impressions, but loss of actual impressions because of the loss of video. Um, on on sites that, that that featured video at one time, so there's Google changing the way it feels about your page. It's not a video page, quote unquote, video page anymore. That is appearing to have a direct impact on um, appearances of video in search results, which naturally has a direct impact on, on the number of clicks going back to your page. Yeah, I had someone who had a, a video drop, not for this reason, but they lost 70,000 visits a month off of one video dropping. And was this recent? No, it was, it was uh, earlier in the year, but still. Video I mean, is very powerful. A, like, yeah, like, it's very like powerful, yeah. The web has actually moved from being a text medium to more of a video medium. And uh, video is incredibly powerful. So if you lose that space, especially after Google had told us for the last like year, invest in video, give, give people as many different paths to the information as possible, including YouTube. So yeah, we invest in video and uh, this, is what, this is what we get for it. Thanks, Google. Yeah, yeah. And so outside video viewport, outside viewport means not necessarily, it's just too tall or too wide. But the viewport, the video is not loaded in the initial viewport. So people understand that. So when they say outside, they also mean, hey, we started loading the page, but there's no video in the viewport. And then it comes in the bottom of the page or it comes in later in the load, which happens a lot because videos are heavy. So they might did the job the developers might have, you know, deferred the load of the video. But if it's outside the viewport, it's not just heightened width. It also means outside as in it didn't come in initially on the page, so we're not considering this a video page. Well, I'm betting that that's gonna that that language is gonna change sometime in the future. Cause I hope so, because that's really confusing. <laughs> what do you I mean like really they tell us one thing. Yes. And then they um, and then we do it. <laughs> you know, like video costs a lot of money. I got my client has lost over thirty thousand videos. Like not 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 impressions. Wow. I'm talking specific videos, wow. each of which had ten hundreds or even thousands of impressions, depending on the video. So this ain't this ain't no small thing. This is actually like you know some sizable metrics. I got I I got to dance around. People, um, I did not that I got danced around. They invested in this. This is for real yeah. like, time and money, yeah. right? And I'm sure people were just thinking, like like everyone I know was, including myself, that it just meant it's too big or too 
you know, it's too tall or it's too wide for the viewport and you need to fix that. And then your developers are like, it's not too tall or wide. What are you talking about? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> now we find out it didn't load in the initial viewport. Therefore, we do not consider it part of the page or a video page, which means it is good to put your videos at the top of the page because that is when they most likely will get rendered inside the initial viewport. Okay, so now you got yourself an LCP issue because videos are big. <laughs> um, and this yes, is now I, this is your largest contentful paint, right? Like you got you got a page speed issue. Um, throw it inside of an iframe and just put the and just put the thumbnail in there, and that'll, yeah. that that will you'll still have an LCP issue, but it won't be as bad. Yes, this is true. Very true. Trust me, you will still have the issue. I don't. I don't care what the directive is. Um, <laughs> you will still have an issue. This you you can't avoid it. You can't you can't lightweight a YouTube video, even if you thumbnail it. You can't. It just you just can't because they got to download at least a part of that video for that for it to show in the um, yeah, in the iframe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, by, by the way, if you're looking for fun, some fun stuff from Google this week, just a reminder. That they're putting out all their like this most searched this and the most searched that on their Google Twitter feed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that uh, out there you, today? Uh, they've been yeah they've been doing it over the past few days, but they have some for today. So uh, who do you think the most searched for performer is? The most searched for performer in yeah. uh, 2023, I'm going to be guessing is um, Taylor Swift. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so. Who's the second most search for performer? I, I, I did not play it because it's a video and we're on air, so it probably wouldn't be good to play that. Okay. Oh, my God. They got it all like you like uh, Google wrapped, huh? Yeah, but basically, yeah, Google wrapped for, for search. So You know, had they published that in an HTML or a PDF document, they would have liked either way. This is true. We found that out this week. They didn't have to publish it in video. They could have published it on a PDF. Um, because uh, yeah, apparently Google can um, can read PDF just fine. But the really cool thing is, if you publish the same content in HTML and PDF, you're not going to get dupe content penalty, and you might get two you might get two placements for the same same document, basically. Yeah, yeah. And if they decide it's duplicate enough that they don't want to show, they'll show the HTML one most likely. Not always, but most likely. Yeah, but they're not gonna they're not gonna dupe all over you for throwing dupe content on them, right? Not not in this way. Yeah. So exactly. um you know there'll be an update in like, I don't know, fifty to twenty minutes to nullify this, right? You know Do you think it's gonna be another update before the end of the year? Two weeks. Nah. They got two nah. weeks to get it in. You think they're gonna? Nah, nah, I don't. I think that I think it's too I you know, normally they shut off the update thing around the first week in December. So uh, I, I think uh, they're, they've, they put in there for their vacations long before Project Gemini took too long to deploy, which is why everything I think was pushed back. So I'm sure that, uh, you know, because especially a lot of international workers with Google, right, who get two and three weeks vacation at the holiday. So I imagine that they're probably slowing down now and they'll come back, though, the first week in or second week in January with um, some big updates. Well, hold on to your horses. We will be broadcasting, and the way Christmas works out this year, we're broadcasting all the way through. So we're here next week. We're here the week after, um, 21st and 28th. Yay! We got some good guests for you, too, because we have, we have Gavin. We have some big guests come. coming up. We have Gavin the coming end, on. Yep, we have the end of year coming on. And um, we also have end of show coming on because we've gone all the way around the clock. And I know that there's an, another show coming up at the studio, so we got to get moving. Um, interesting week. 
uh, there'll be two more before the end of the year, and then uh, we're into 2024. Oh my gosh! So you know, if you're celebrating uh, Christmas, um, you have 11 days to get your shopping done. Um, if you're in the tech world, the way it works out this year, you're pretty much going to be forced to work the three days before Christmas and the three days before New Year's. Yeah, That's just the way it's going to be this year. Yeah, Christmas falls on a Monday, the worst possible day it could fall on for people who want time off. Oh, well, unless it's Sunday. But, <laughs> but of course, yeah, unless but, it's Saturday, Sunday. That's right. Yeah. But real quick, because I didn't get to say real quick. Gavin Klondike has been on our show before to explain LLMs. He's an AI researcher, helps helps at the AI research village at DEF CON, is going to come on to talk about the SGE patent and, and some of the new things uh, that have been coming out from Google uh, with search and AI. So it'll be a really interesting conversation. Yeah. yeah. In the meantime, friends, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media on behalf of Christine Schackinger from Sites Without Walls. You've been listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. Um, Want to say thanks to Darren and Brandy and to Ricky and Brasco in the studio. Uh, friends, be kind to each other. Rank well. Read the search and read and appreciate the search news. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.